John chapter 10, this is where we're reading. Last week, Mark talked about, I am the light, didn't he? Jesus saying, I am the light. What an amazing thing to say. I am the light. This week, Jesus makes, again, just a grandiose statement about himself that is very controversial. He says, I am the gate. And so we're going to read the scripture in a moment. There is controversy all over the place in this account. In John chapter 9, uh, the chapter before the one that we're going to read, he's in the Judaic countryside, so well, he's just left Jerusalem under threat of assassination on his life, basically. And um, he, he's now healed a blind man, a man who was born blind, actually. And uh, amazing, amazing healing. And Pharisees, the establishment, they go to him and they test his claim, this blind man. And he says, no, seriously, I was born blind, but now I can see. They go to his parents and there's all this controversy. And anyway, the Pharisees end up catching up with Jesus and they begin to have this conversation with him, this robust discussion, you could say. And um, Jesus makes again some claim about himself after this miraculous sign. And in it, he makes a radical claim about who he is. And he uses a figure of speech to do that. So let's jump right into this in John 10, chapter 7. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Okay, so he's like, this is for real, guys. I'm not lying, okay? I am the gate for the sheep. Whoever came before me with thieves and robbers, robbers, but the, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. If you're writing notes today, then you could entitle this talk, I am the gate. Father, we thank you for your words. Speak to us tonight in Jesus' name, amen. Man. Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. And it was a figure of speech that he used. It was very um, culturally relevant to the people that he was speaking to because they were very familiar with what a sheep gate was. However, we are not living 2,000 years later in the big city of London, right? So this is just a picture to help sort of illustrate what Jesus is saying before we actually get into the message. So this will frame, hopefully, what I'm, what I'm saying. This will put a picture in your mind. So as you can see, this is in the open field. So when a shepherd would take his flock out into the open field and he would be, you know, stay overnight in the open field somewhere, um, he wouldn't just stay out in the open field. He would find a sheep pen like this, which were littered all throughout the Judean countryside. Okay, little rocks. Sometimes they would be circles, um, sometimes long like this, like a rectangle. And so what he would do at nightfall, he would take his sheep into this pen and see the gate, how it's open, there's no actual closed door, what he would do is the shepherd would sit at the gate and he would sleep there so that no wolves or any predators or any outside dangers could get in to the pen. So there you go. There's your sheep gate. So have that in your mind's eye. A few years ago, well, this is a number of years ago actually, I went to one of the most exclusive nightclubs in London. One of those uh, nightclubs that is really, really difficult. I know it's an interesting start to a sermon, isn't it? One of those nightclubs that um, it was like, you know, almost impossible to get in if you were sort of an average guy uh, like myself. 
Um, um, the reason I was going to this nightclub is because um, basically the guy who ran it had recently become a Christian and we had connected and become friends and um, I was going to go and disciple him. <laughs> no, sorry. I, I really, actually I was. No, I'd go and meet him. But I wanted to see his environment, you know, the place that he was working in. And um, so I needed some context for his life, obviously. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth, I'm not. You're making fun of me. You're making this sound really bad. I'm making this sound really bad. So anyway, I, I pulled up to this very, very exclusive nightclub. And there were all the people kind of all dressed to the nines, like standing outside in this long line, right? Trying their very best to get in and not having much luck. And I remember waltzing up to the door, not really having too much idea, and um, standing outside, looking at this line, tens of people thinking, I'm not standing there. So I text my friend. My friend came up the door, through the door, shook my hand, and we went straight in through the door, shook the hands of all the bouncers and was like, hey, 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 how's everybody doing? You know, kind of walked straight on in with no checks or whatever. And I can remember the sensation of like meeting my friend and then walking in and all the people who were lined up outside, just their heads turning at me with like confused faces, looks on their faces thinking, who is that guy? Is he some sort of celebrity or something? And here I was just like kind of waltzing into this nightclub <laughs> thinking I'm somebody. The reality was, I was a nobody. I wasn't a somebody, but I was with a somebody. Now, the same is true with the Christian faith, isn't it? Who you know matters. Oftentimes, <laughs> well, no, I should say, it's always in the Christian faith who you know matters. And that somebody, in terms of the Christian context, is the person of Jesus, isn't it? It's here in the scripture that Jesus makes an exclusive claim about himself, doesn't he? He doesn't make an all-inclusive, well, it's inclusive in, in one sense that anybody can come, but it is an exclusive claim, isn't it? I remember when we just moved to the tower block across the road there, it's a big tower block, I don't know if you've seen it, it's kind of on the corner, I remember moving my stuff in the very first day when I got there. And um, when I pulled into the car park, I was unloading the car. And this guy, um, he was sort of next to me, and he began to climb up the pipe that, that was on the side of the building. And I was like, this was, it was super dodgy. And um, there was kind of a flat on the first floor that he was trying to get up to. And I was like, you're right, mate. Are you, are you okay? And, and he looked back at me like halfway up the pipe, and he was like, yeah, mate, I'm just trying to get up to my flat. And I was like, are you sure it's your flat? And he goes, yeah, 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 honestly, yeah. He's like, yeah. <laughs> I know, just, yeah. he's like, yeah, no, no, it's my flat. I just, like, I locked myself out. And so I was like, okay. <laughs> so I just watched him, like, kind of from a distance, kind of half believing him, but not really <laughs> thinking now, what have I got myself into? I've moved into this tower block and, like, this is super dodgy. But anyway, this was my first experience here. This guy, like, climbed up onto the balcony and then, like, busted his way into this house. I assumed, I mean, I've never seen him since, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I assumed it was his place, I guess. But this is, I'm using this analogy to say that there is no other way that you can necessarily break into the kingdom, is it? 
You know, someone might say, well, well, well doesn't my birthright guarantee me a place? Doesn't my pos position in society, doesn't my fame, doesn't my wealth, doesn't my riches, doesn't my pedigree, doesn't my performance, do doesn't, doesn't my humanism, my Buddhism, my, my other isms, do doesn't, doesn't all that stuff guarantee me a place in the kingdom of God? How do we get to God? Jesus lays forth an exclusive claim that wouldn't have been nice on the ears to the Pharisees. He says, I am the gate for the sheep. There is no pipe that you can climb up. There's no balcony. There's no half-opened window. There's no unlocked door around the back. You can't get over. If you get over, you're a thief and you're a robber. The only way in is through me. The only way to get to God, the only way to get to the kingdom is through me. He says, I am the door. If you want to get in, look no further than me. And Jesus goes on and he says, if you do come through me, then I have something to offer you. How many of you have been on like a, um, a holiday where it's like an all-inclusive package deal? Has anyone ever been on one of those before? Okay. Um, I shouldn't say this because I think I offended someone earlier today, but, you know, they can be somewhat tacky, can't they? I mean, I mean no, not, I mean, some of them are really nice, but, you know, it's maybe a tacky example to, you know, use you know, with the Son of God. Um, so that's why I'm a little bit cautious. That's my caveat. But, you know, um, uh, you know let's, let's go there anyway. Let's use this example. Okay. You go to this um, company, whatever, and you could go on the phone. You could go, like, web, whatever. You, anyway, you book this all-inclusive holiday. You get your flight. You get your holiday. You get, um, you know, your tacky little lunch in Spain, whatever it is, you know, you, you get the whole package deal, don't you? But you've got to go through this one company. You can't then go through another company. You, you, you can't, you know, get around it. You must go through this one company, and then you get this package deal. I hate to say it. I hate to use this analogy with Jesus, but, you know, it is kind of like faith in Christ, isn't it, a little bit? You know, you come through Jesus like he's the company, you know. You come through him, and you get an all-inclusive package deal, don't you? It's kind of what you get, what you have on offer. Jesus says, if you come through me, then I have something to offer you. And firstly, he says, I have salvation on offer. If you, whoever enters through me will be saved. Whoever comes to me will be saved. Saved from what, you might ask? I don't know how many of you know much about sheep. We got any Welshmen or oh, David Catebreg's not here? No. Um, I mean, I, I know a little bit about sheep because I'm from New Zealand, and there's ten sheep to every one human beings and um, humans, I should say, bad English in New Zealand. And so there's a lot of sheep. So, so my friend has like a farm. And when we were last in New Zealand, um, me and my wife, she's like never seen a sheep before. And so we went to. Um, I know she needs to get out a little more. Um, so we went to this farm, and we 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 went to play with these sheep. And if you've got that. Um, I mean, that poor sheep. I mean, look at it. Look at that sheep. I mean, it's just helpless, isn't it? It's absolutely defenseless. I mean, my wife's hardly like Iron Man, and that, that poor little sheep 
has no defense against this tiny girl who's holding it. I show you that to say that sheep are defenseless, aren't they? <laughs> sheep are kind of a little dull as well. I don't know if you've been around sheep, but they're not that intelligent. Um, they're, they're a little bit dull. And, and sheep are also partially blind. Okay, so they don't have very good sight. They've got good peripheral vision, but sort of front vision, they, they don't have much. And Jesus, he uses this analogy. It's a figure of speech because he's trying to communicate something. He's trying to get something across here. He's trying to offer us a truth. That's why he uses stories and pictures and illustrations and analogies, because he's trying to get something across to people. And maybe what he could be saying is, you know, he could be likening himself to a shepherd in this picture. And I think he's obviously likening us to sheep, <laughs> which is like, actually, Jesus, can I be likened to like a credible animal, like a dolphin or like a, or like a panther or something, like a lion? At least something that's got some like, you know, good stuff going for it, like a shark or, you know, he likens us to sheep, which are, it's kind of like, Jesus, that's kind of harsh, you know, that's like defenseless, dull, you know, blind. But I don't know if he's actually speaking about us in our physical state. I think he could be speaking to us on a deeper sense, on a deeper level maybe, and speaking to our spiritual condition. Because that lines up with the theology of the Bible. You could say that we are defenseless, spiritually speaking, from the dangers of the outside world. We are, we are dull spiritually, you know, we are dead in our sins, the Bible says. We are blind. We can't see. And, you know, John Newton famously said, you, I was blind, but now I see. You know, you've given me spiritual sight. And I think Jesus is offering us this picture here of a spiritual condition that we all find ourselves in. And he says, you know what? When you find yourselves in the open field of, of the world, he says, you need salvation from it. You need, you need shelter. You need security. He says, if you come, if you can change that picture, that's throwing me off now. <laughs> oh, gosh. If you come through me, then you will be saved from the dangers of the outside world. You'll be saved from the devils of hell. You'll be saved from the destruction of your own sin. You will find salvation. I was talking with a friend uh, the other day, and he was telling me the story crazy story about him trying to get home after um, being out a little bit late in East London. He, he got to his train station about 11 at night, and it's, it's about a five-minute walk from his train station to his house. And as he was walking down the steps of the train station, there was this guy on his phone speaking to a friend, you know, not far behind him, a few meters behind him. And he was saying on the phone, hey, man, I'm going to shank this guy for his jacket, isn't it? So he was, he was saying over the phone, I'm going to like knife this guy for his leather jacket because my friend was wearing a really nice All Saints leather jacket. And so he heard this and he was like, oh my gosh, like I've got a nice jacket on. And so he started walking like quite swiftly and the guy was still talking to his friend behind him. And then he got to a traffic light, a red traffic light. He took that opportunity to race across the road and down this alleyway and he heard the guy behind him yelling at him and running after him. And he managed just to get into his, his gate and then pull it shut. 
And this guy ran up to his gate and was banging on the door and trying to get in and swearing at him and yelling at him. And he, I mean, he was so lucky he actually made it into his house. But this is to say, or rather this is maybe a picture of what life can look like when we spiritually come into the kingdom of God. We are saved from the dangers, from the devils, from the destruction of an outside world. One could say that Noah wasn't truly saved from the floods that came from above. And did it rain? It did rain, didn't it? Yeah. Until he passed through the door of the ark. And only once he passed through the door of the ark into it and the door was shut behind him, was he truly saved from that flood. The same is true for you and I. Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. If you come in through me, then you will be saved. Firstly, he offers us salvation. Secondly, he offers us a supreme freedom. Three S's, classic preacher trick. I've got to give it to you. The supreme freedom. We don't just go into the sheep pen and get locked up there like Princess Jasmine and Aladdin who couldn't get out of her palace. Jesus doesn't bring us into a prison of salvation. He brings us into a supreme freedom. He says, the sheep come in and they go out. This is a phrase that was used, I think about five or six times throughout the Old Testament scriptures. It's Jewish phraseology. It's given to the rhythm of life, you could say, um, of daily activities. We go into church, we go out of service, we come into our homes, we go out of our homes, we come into our jobs, we go out of our jobs. It's a rhythm of daily life, isn't it? We come in and we go out. And it speaks theologically of a freedom, of a liberty. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I am not going to hold you captive against your will. I'm not going to hold you captive in a prison of salvation. He said, if you come in through me, then you can go out through me. He says, I have a supreme freedom on offer for you. For whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And I believe that there is space for you to find freedom tonight. I believe that God is going to break the yoke of bondage on your life. I believe that God is going to do some business here tonight. There is freedom in this place. He has freedom on offer for you. When we come in through Him, there are things that fall off our life. And then we go out through Him. And we go out in the strength, in the presence, in the courage, in the, in the boldness of Christ in our daily activities. We come in and we go out through Christ. I remember um, when I was 16 years old, I got my driver's license. And uh, what a day it was. Who would believe that anyone would let a 16-year-old, crazy 16-year-old behind a wheel, but managed to get it? It was amazing. So on my 17th birthday... My parents were so gracious and so kind, so generous that they bought me a car. Isn't that amazing? On my 17th birthday, I thought that was normal. <laughs> I remember they went to this um, elderly lady and um, 
I, I don't know how they got the contact, but it was, they bought it off this elderly lady, and um, it was this old Mazda 323. It was a sky blue. absolutely loved it. It was immaculate. I think it was the same age as me, which was amazing. I loved it. Um, so it was like proper like retro. It was like manual gearbox. It was like just, I used to throw all my surfboards in the back, and it, it was, I loved it until I wrote it off a couple of years later. Anyway, that's another story. It was a beaut. I grew up in New Zealand, if you didn't notice from my accent. And in New Zealand, um, they're not really good with public transport. So um, there's like a bus like once a day. Um, and there's like no trains. So, so if you want to go anywhere, then you need a car, basically. You, you have to get a friend, like an older brother maybe, or an older friend to, to take you somewhere or your mum or your dad. If I, want to go to the, if I wanted to go to the beach, I'd need to get my mum to take me. I'd need to you know, get my mum to take me to tennis practice, my friend's house, whatever. I had no independence. I had no freedom of my own until I got my sky blue Mazda 323. And that was the day where I found freedom. And I got my independence. And I can still remember the sensation of how good it felt. I mean, it was like letting a bird out of its cage. I had arrived. Honestly, it was the greatest feeling. It was so liberating. I didn't have to ask my mum to take me to my friend's house. I could just drive to my friend's house. I could just go places that I could, I could do things that I couldn't do before. It, it was such a great sense of freedom that I had found. And this is to say that when we come in through Christ and when we go out through Christ, He is the vehicle to our freedom and our liberty. Amen. He is the one in whom we find this great deal of freedom. I don't have to live like that anymore. I don't have to live captive to my sin. I don't have to live captive to those old addictions and that old way of living. I can live in grace. I can live in mercy. I can live in peace. I can experience real joy. I've got something so free that I can experience because I have come in and I go out through Christ. Amen. Are you thankful that God has given you freedom today? <laughs> Lastly, what does Jesus say? He says, the sheep will come in, they will go out, and they will find pasture. They will find pasture. Sheep need pasture, don't they? The third thing that God has on offer for us is supply, because it's got to be an S, but it works. Supply. Provision. Needs. What do we need? God provides for our needs, doesn't he? The sheep need pasture, and so he gets them their pasture. And like a good shepherd, he leads us to our pasture so we can spiritually feed on what he has got to offer for us. John Newton um, was a slave, notorious slave trader who grew up just down in Wapping down there. And he was called the blasphemer. He hated Christians. He hated the way they lived. He mocked them relentlessly. Um, but his mother was a Christian. And so he grew up sort of under this influence of his mum. But his mum prayed for him as he grew up as well, that he might become a minister. And one day, as he was out on a ship somewhere in the Atlantic, um, there was a great storm. 
and he was a very accomplished sailor, but his, his ship began to break apart. The storm was so big, and he feared for his life that day and, and thought that that was going to be it, that his sailors and he were, that was going to be it. And so it was in that storm that John Newton cried out to God. He recalled a scripture, Proverbs 1, that his mum used to say to him. And he humbled himself before God and he placed his trust in Jesus that day. And he records that Jesus gave him such a great comfort of grace in the midst of that storm that he was able, well, the storm passed and they were able to get through it. But from that point on, that was the beginning of John Newton's spiritual journey. And it's even in the midst of stormy situations and things going on in our lives that God knows what to provide for us. He gives us comfort. He gives us grace when we need it. He gives us mercy. He gives us peace when we're experiencing all of that anxiety and stress. He brings joy into our lives, which becomes our strength, doesn't it? In fact, he goes on to say that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come, he says. You need to know that I have come. The purpose for me to come from heaven to earth is to give you life. And not just minimal life, but life abundantly. I have life on offer for you. I don't have a brown patch of pasture for you. I've got a lush green patch. The grass is not greener over there. The grass is greener right here in Jesus Christ. I have all that you need today. Maybe the band could come and join me. We're going to close and pray and worship a little bit more tonight. You know, Jesus has so much on offer for us today. He has salvation, a rich storehouse of supply and a supreme freedom on offer for us today. And if you have placed your trust in Jesus then you can plead those promises before him today. Yeah. You can hang your hat on it yeah. like a sure nail in a wall. Mm. You can hang on those things and you can know that God will deliver all of his promises mm. into your life. You. Jesus, you are the great I am. And Lord, we thank you that you are the gate for the sheep. We can come in through you tonight, Lord. We can go out through you. Jesus in you. We can discover salvation. Oh God. You save us from so much. God, you save us from so much destruction. You save us from so much hurt, so much pain. Oh God, you, you save us. God, you long to offer us the freedom that you have purchased for us on that cross. A freedom that we might know life in all of its fullness. 
Jesus. You don't want to handcuff us and incarcerate us and hold us according to your will, against our will. But God, you have a great freedom. And I just pray right now that people would realize that freedom, that we would realize that freedom. that you would break things off our lives. Thank you, Lord, even now. Holy Spirit, you're at work. You're breaking addictions. You're loosening bondages. You're bringing us into a greater freedom tonight, Lord. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And Lord, you supply all of our needs. As the dare pants for water, so our souls long for you, Lord. Lord, our souls crave for the living God. Thank you that you promised to feed us spiritually what we need and practically, God. Right now, just pray that the, the rich storehouse of heaven would be released over people's lives. That you meet all our needs according to your great riches. Thank you, Lord. Thank you.